Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to another episode of LVAD Talk. I'm here with another member of the LVAD Nation, Miss Amy, almost Dr. Bacon. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Good. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thank you for contacting me. Um, I really appreciate it. So I know you had a couple of things you wanted to talk about. Um, let's give the people a brief history of your journey uh, with your LBAD and transplant. Okay. Um, on March the 19th, 2009, I suffered a sudden cardiac arrest. Um, had no symptoms, just boom, went down. Um, I was without oxygen for four and a half minutes. So I had to learn how to do everything all over again. Um, I had short-term memory loss, long-term, like I could be talking to you and look away and then look back at you. Oh, when'd you get here? It was that mm -hmm. bad. And so I had to relearn how to do everything. And then they found out that, um, my injection fraction was only 15. Okay. Um, so I was diagnosed with idiopathic presumed dilated cardiomyopathy. And so not only was my heart disease, um, but I also had cardiomegalia, which is enlargement of the heart. So my heart had been bad for a long time because your heart is like a muscle. It just doesn't get large overnight. Mm -hmm. um, and so that stint in the hospital, I was fitted with an ICD and I didn't really have too many issues right after my cardiac arrest, but I remember I developed the cough. Mm -hmm. And we all know about that cough and, uh, they, they checked and my BMP was like, I don't know, 7,000. And so I was a volume overloaded. Mm -hmm. And at that time I was immediately admitted to ICU. And you know what the irony is I didn't feel sick until they started giving me all those medications. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. oh, it, it was, it was horrendous. Um, at that point, um, Dr. Aronson, who's the lead cardiologist at the University of Michigan, told me that I needed a heart. And I remember I just cried, cried. And he held my hand until my mom got there. But then I remember that prep, you know, that prep was just grueling. Um, you know, the, the swan gants in your neck and, you know, all the medications. Um, after I found out I needed the heart, when I was discharged, it seems like instantly I just got worse. My ICD was constantly firing. Mm -hmm. um, and then they started me on milrinone. Um, and I'm not sure, uh, Sean, that you've ever been on milrinone before, but it helps your heart, but it's also caustic. Right. Um, and I had two heart offers, but at the time, my lung pressures were so high, had they transplanted me, my lungs would have caused the heart to fail. Mm. And so at that point, we discussed the LVAD. And I remember when I was admitted, they were preparing me for the LVAD surgery. It got to the point where I stopped urinating. Like I couldn't even, my body was just shutting down. And every time I had to go, they would come in with the ultrasound in my bladder and they would have to do a straight cath. And um, I remember preparing for the LVAD surgery. And uh, I remember when I woke up, they had me intubated. I was under for like three days. Um, but I had like this ideology that, oh, I'm going to get this LVAD and I'm going to be running and I'm going to be doing all these fantastic things. No. Okay. I remember that first day they got me up to walk. What? Man. Oh, y'all tripping. Like I had <laughs> tubes, tubes under each breast, tubes in my abdomen, the elbow. And that first walk, I took three steps and I said, that's all I can give y'all. That's all <laughs> I can give you. Um, it was grueling. And then I got C. difficile. Mm -hmm. 
And so uh, if anybody doesn't know what C. difficile, it's a, a bacterial infection that you get in your intestinal tract. We all have good bacteria, but when you're on an LVAD, as you know, you're on a plethora of antibiotics, and that kills the good bacteria. Yes. So that tagged on another 10 days. And I remember at U of M, what they did was they got you ready to go home. Mm -hmm. And so um, they put me in the van, and we were going to go out to eat so we can get used to me carrying all the luggage. And I remember I got in that van, and he pulled that corner. I said, oh, you can take me back. Because he was hitting those bumps. Oh, oh my yeah. God. I'm did like, have, oh no. Did you have the red pillow? Yes. Oh my God. Yes. I'm like, y'all. He said, we're, we're not even, we're hitting gravel. I'm just like, that gravel feels like you're pulling my innards out of my body. Yes. It was horrible. Uh, and so I went home and I remember, God, that, that drive line. So, Sean, you haven't experienced this yet. But oh my God, I remember after I got my heart, I had that hole in your drive line. And so they take this wooden piece of something and wrap um, galls around it. And then they have to stick it in that hole. Oh, what? Oh my God. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. A couple of nurses got the cuff. I'm not even going to lie. It's, it's, you know, it's reflex. I'm sorry. You're so going to get it, the cuff. Is it to help your driveline heal and close, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. It's, it's brutal. And so, you know, your hole is like this little, but now my driveline scar is, it's like the side, it looked like someone, you know, those spoons that they use to dig the grapefruit out. Yeah. It reminded me like someone just took a grapefruit spoon and just scooped my meat out the side of my body. Wow. But, you know, uh, I was only elevated for three months and then I got the call for the heart. And I remember when I got the call, and I, this is going to be graphic, but I, I want you to truly understand what I went through when I got the call. I'm at my mom's house. I'm on the couch. It was 8.07 p.m. And my phone rung. And I looked and I saw 734. I'm like, what is you of them calling me for? Mm -hmm. Maybe they're calling me to remind me of a doctor's appointment. And I answered the phone and they were like, Amy Bacon, we've got a heart for you. And oh my God, I just screamed. Mm -hmm. And I remember um, my mom wanted to know who the transplant surgeon was. Because at the time, all we knew was Pagani and, and uh, Romano. And uh, when they said Dr. Half, my mom was like, Dr. Half, if he ain't got an honor within his name, we don't want him. <laughs> and uh, they were like, we, we trust you, Dr. Half, he, he's an excellent surgeon. And um, my mom, you know, she's always running defense. She was like, well, I want to talk to him. And I'm like, you tripping. Right. You made it hard for $200, Alex. That, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me and ask you so, this. So did you, uh -huh. did you ever get a chance to fully recover from your nope. LVAD? Nope, okay. nope, nope. Literally... Um, when I got the call, I had to go to my house, pack up all my LVAD equipment. And when I got to the hospital, I, I was literally, I was still on payments. Literally, I was only three months after. I mean, I was still, I wasn't even healed. Mm -hmm. I wasn't even healed. And, um, the, 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 the prep for the transplant was grueling in itself. You know, those art lines ain't no joke. Mm -hmm. What? I don't care how much nummy medication you get. Uh, art line is no joke. And I remember the anesthesia came in and she was a young girl. I'm like, well, you're an anesthesiologist? And um, she was like, I got you and patted her breast and she just had syringes. And I'm like, yes, give me the good <laughs> stuff because I need something to knock the edge off. But I remember my mom was blessed and she actually saw Dr. Half walking in the hallway with the igloo. And she was like, is that my daughter's heart? And he said, yes. And so as they were wheeling me in, I had everybody stop and then we prayed. And I remember when I woke up from that LVAD, I mean, from the heart transplant surgery, I had so much energy. I was like, pure, 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 because then they give you 60 milligrams of steroids. Well, that's a whole nother conversation. Mm -hmm. um, so actually this past Saturday, I celebrated my ninth year heart anniversary. Hold on. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. Um, and I haven't had any rejections. Um, but at the beginning of uh, COVID, my transplant team, you know, was like, you can't be, because I'm a health educator. I worked in a clinic. And so I 
at the March 31st was my last physical day working. And about a week later, I started to feel funky. You know, as a transplant, you know, we're on the medication. We're used to feeling funky, but I'm like, mm-mm. And I remember I'm in the bathroom and I'm doing my hair and I'm like, all of a sudden I got like a whoosh, like a hot and a cold sensation. And I got really dizzy. And I called my team, but at the time, I wasn't displaying atypical signs of COVID. I didn't have a cough. I didn't have a fever. Um, I didn't lose any state. Uh, uh, I didn't have any loss of uh, smell or taste. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they ended up pushing me to get the, the COVID test. And when it came back positive, I was like, oh, hell. Wow. Like, what? And that was at the I beginning. So they kind of didn't really know yes. what to look for. Yes. And so um, my my transplant doctor, Dr. Dyke, his wife was an infectious disease doctor. Mm-hmm. So they didn't know. I think I was like one of the first transplant patients to contract COVID. They didn't know how to treat me, Sean. And so what they ended up doing is I was on prographing myfortic. So they took me off the myfortic so my body could try to fight. And then I started having crazy heart palpitations. Mm. Like, you know that feeling did you have an ICD, Sean? I still have one, yeah. Has it ever gone off? Yes. Okay. So you know that sensation that you get right before, right before your ICD? Yeah. That, okay, imagine having that 24-7. So did you did they take your ICD out after you had your transplant? Yes. Okay. Yes. And that was scary because I'm like, I don't have anything to protect me now. And so I ended up having to have an external heart monitor for like a couple of weeks. Then in June... I tested positive again. Mm. And so it's it was literally impossible for them to determine if that was a new infection or, still or if that was my body still shedding it. Uh-huh. I didn't start testing negative until August, but I was still having the heart palpitations. Um, in December of 2020, I tested positive for donor-specific antibodies. Mm -hmm. And what that is, it's when your body starts to recognize that it's got a foreign entity in it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in December, I was at 2,000. In March, I was at 6,000. And then this coming July 7th, I'll be tested again. So what the University of Michigan is finding is that heart transplant recipients that had covid all are developing donor-specific antibodies. Mm. So basically a a form of rejection. It's the precursor, yes. Um, And this is like the worst kind of rejection when you have donor-specific because, you know, even though it's my donor's heart, the arteries, it's one part of my arteries and some of his arteries that are put together. So I want to say that donor-specific is right where those arteries um, connect. Mm -hmm. Um, I've also developed a coronary artery disease. um, And that is specific to transplant recipients. It's one of the biggest reasons why um, transplant recipients um, and their hearts end up failing because their body sends antibodies and it thickens the arteries. Mm -hmm. And right now, mine isn't perfused, meaning it's not spread all over the arteries, it's in just different spots. Um, the treatment for that is like Everlimus and Seralimus, but those anti-rejection medications are caustic. Um, when I tried the medication about six months ago, I developed sores in my mouth. Um, I had, I was literally, I had no quality of life. And so I had to decide, you know, do I, do I take a medication that's going to stave off the progression of coronary artery disease and have no quality of life or continue on and just lean on God and know that this is not going to progress. And so I chose the latter. Mm -hmm. And so I had an IVUS, an intravascular ultrasound done two months ago, and I'm stable still at stage three. Praise God. Um, So I have just been you know, just being mindful about my fat intake, my triglycerides. Um, but going back to COVID, I spoke with my team on just yesterday, and they, they're they saying at this moment, 
they're not even testing the transplant patients for um, antibodies for COVID because before I had the vaccination, I showed antibodies for COVID. Mm -hmm. But now, you know, the CDC, they're doing research specifically on people that are immunosuppressed and the vaccination. And they're finding that the efficacy is not even half of what it is for someone that's not immunosuppressed. So I believe Pfizer's like at 95% transplant patients, they're saying that after the first dose, we might be at like 15%. And after the third dose, we might be at 30. And so as transplant recipients, even if we did get the vaccination, we still need to carry on and conduct ourselves as though we're in a full-fledged pandemic because with this Delta variant, who's to say? And that makes it really, really hard. Um, As I am, you know, I've, I got a master's degree, doctorate in public health almost. And it's like finding a job, it's got to be remote, Mm -hmm. you know? And so that's a huge barrier. And I know that they're doing a lot more research on um, organ transplant recipients. And, you know, they're looking at possibly giving us a a booster. But my advice to anyone that has an LVAT right now, if you're on the fence about getting the vaccination, you need to go ahead and get the vaccination because after you get transplanted, the medications that you're going to be on is going to suppress your immune system and you will not get the same efficacy. And with the new variants, they already have a new variant of the Delta. It's Mm -hmm. the Delta plus now. And so with this pandemic, you know, even though they've, you know, uh, pulled back the mask mandates, you need to make sure that, you are as healthy as possible going into the transplant, you know, getting all your vaccinations, especially your shingles vaccination, because like I said, you know, once you get transplanted, you know, it's no holds bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that that's one of the things like my daughter is the local COVID police around here. And um, <laughs> we had a conversation yesterday um, about, you know, since everybody's starting to relax, we go a lot of places and there's a lot of people without their mask. And I'm really not going to stop wearing my mask, especially in places like the grocery store or mm-hmm. big Walmart. Got to wear yes. the mask. You know, um, you know, we go out to restaurants now. Once you set a table, yeah, I'll take my mask off. But anytime I get up walking around, Mm-hmm. I'm still going to wear my so mask. So let me ask you this. I mm-hmm. think I've only been to one restaurant. Now, when the waitress comes up to you, do you keep your mask on? Mm-hmm. You put it back From on? From the restaurants I've been to, the waitresses have, the, they have to have their mask on. Um, okay. Uh, I'm fully vaccinated, so I know that's okay. a little bit of um, precaution. Um, but no, I don't put it back on when they come. Okay. Well, being that you're fully vaccinated and you're not immunosuppressed yet, mm-hmm. you probably do have um, 95% protection. Yeah. Now, how long have you been batted for? Uh, six years. Six years? Yes. You're O positive, aren't you? I am. <laughs> mm. And uh, when I started this out, I was overweight. So mm-hmm. still a little bit overweight, but between then and now I've lost and kept off over 50 pounds. So congratulations. Yeah. You know, um, the biggest reason why weight is a factor because they put you on such high doses of prednisone, you're going to gain weight. Hmm. I gained 80 pounds in three months. Wow. Um, I gained so much weight so fast that I developed a bulging disc in my spine Hmm. Um, like my ankles and the the heels of my feet, when I would lay down, they would just throb and throb. Um, I gained so the weight that you gain is so interesting because you um you resemble someone that has Cushing syndrome, mm-hmm. and Cushing syndrome is like you get the the fat cheeks. You get the, I call it the the pack of hot dogs on the back of your neck, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that right there. And then you get what looks like quadricore. Quadricore is a condition that 
you know, um, third world country children's get when they're when they're malnutritioned and their stomachs Bulls are huge. Yeah. So I look like I look like I was six months pregnant. I had a back a pack of hot dogs on the back of my <laughs> neck. Uh, my face was so puffy when I blinked, I could feel my eyelashes on my cheeks. Wow. I remember one time I bent down to put my shoes on. Why give myself the Heimlich maneuver and protect projectile vomit like from your own fat stomach though? <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a hot mess, and so I was on steroids for it. Took me, I was chunky. I went from a size two to a sixteen. Wow, that's that's too much weight. Yeah, that's too much weight. But all in all, you know, since I've been transplanted, God has been so good. I um I acquired my associate as a medical insurance specialist. I got my bachelor's in health services administration, um, my master's in public health, and now my I'm working on my doctorate in public health. And so um, I worked very closely with the gift of life. Um, I'm constantly being on their Zoom calls. I do a a lot of solid organ trans, um, transplantation um, awareness seminars. And for my dissertation topic, it is preventing the progression of chronic kidney disease among African-American men. Okay. All right. If I have one more black male friend or black male a person, period, that tells me they're on dialysis, I'm just going to throw a punch the world. Right yeah. now I have three close friends and one recently died from COVID. Mm -hmm. And so it's because of um, uncontrolled diabetes and high blood pressure. You know, these are generational curses. Mm -hmm. You know, this started from the transatlantic the trans slave ship. You um, know, hold we on. were slaves. I'm glad you said that. Because when I said yes. it to somebody, they thought I was crazy. And sometimes, especially when you're having these conversations with white people, they get offended. Don't get offended because it wasn't you. You didn't do it. But it this is what we're dealing with. Yes. So I'm yes. not bringing it up to to um, to shame you in any kind of way. But it was a fact. We were brought over here. We were fed the worst foods. We were crossbred. And mm -hmm. you put all that together. And that's why over time we have these issues that's just health related. And, and so what's interesting, Sean... What they would do is they would feed us salt pellets. Mm -hmm. They fed us salt pellets so we wouldn't dehydrate. And then the food that they gave us was lard mixed with oats. Mm -hmm. And so once we became slaves, they gave us the slop. Mm -hmm. And so our taste buds had already developed a taste for salt. And so what did we do to make the food taste better? We added salt to it. Mm -hmm. And so generationally our forefathers ate this type of food and so it was passed down to generation to generation so what my mode of operand is with my dissertation topic and just the research that i've done and as a public health educator just changing the narrative of what soul food is mm -hmm. um you know if you want to make your 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 greens and your beans I use smoked nap bones. That way mm -hmm. you don't well, have to use wings. as much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's alternative ways that you can cook. And so for my for my program, um, I am creating a food prescription program. And so we all know that if you're getting any type of food assistance, say, for instance, if you're a single person, you're getting, say, 180 a month in food stamps. You're not just going to be feeding yourself. You know, you're going to have grandbabies that you're going to be feeding. So that 182 is not just for you. You've got to make that stretch. So what are you going to be doing? You're going to be buying the ramen noodles. You're going to be buying the, the food that you can get in bulk. And so if you already have uncontrolled high blood pressure and diabetes, your diet is not conducive to those issues being regulated. So with the Food Rx program that I'm looking to bring to light is... You're going to be able to go to Walmart because Walmart is very into poverty and, 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 and healthy food choices. You're going to be able to go to Walmart with a nutritionist or a health educator who's going to show you the best foods to get. And then it's going to be paid for. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm looking at doing is creating this RX program so they can go to the store every two weeks. Because you know you can't buy fresh fruits and vegetables that's going Once to last a for right. a month. It's right. not going to work. Um, and here in, um, in, in Flint, Michigan, we have um, 
we have uh, the farmer's market and they have a program called Double Up Food Bucks, where if you spend, say, for instance, $20 at the farmer's market, that doubles to $40. Mm. And that money can be spent on buying fresh fruits and vegetables. And so just, um, you know, doing some food uh, demonstrations, showing them alternative ways to cook the same food that we like. If you want to fry your chicken, you want to fry your fish, because I was just frying chicken on Saturday, you know, learning how you don't need to get the old school crystal in the blue can mm -hmm. with the little crystal in the middle. No, you can use a canola oil. You know, introduce them to air fryers and just different ways to cook. Because unless we change this narrative of uh, our food choices and, uh, you know, my big mama had it and she's okay. Well, my mama got it and she's okay. No, so, we need look, to change. You ever noticed the funniest thing about like, you've seen the movie Soul Food, right? Yeah. Yes. So have you noticed that Soul Food was about a family coming together, eating a whole bunch of food? Now, I get the whole family togetherness thing, mm -hmm. but they were eating a whole bunch of food that weren't good, that wasn't good for them. Mm -hmm. Big Mama goes to the hospital, gets her leg cut off, mm -hmm. and then later on dies. And how do they celebrate Big Mama? By coming they back to the, the table, same. eating the same food. And if you remember, remember she burnt her arm on the stove mm -hmm. because you develop neuropathy, which you don't have any feeling. And what did she say? I just put a little butter on it. Right. You know, so she knew that she had had these issues. But let's talk about the protective silences that African-Americans have because of this the distrust. You think about the Tuskegee experiment mm -hmm. and how they gave us syphilis. Um, let's talk about Henrietta Locks, how they used... And as a transplant, wannabe, hopefully transplant patient, oh, it's, it's, okay. it's, it's really frustrating to me because, of course, you know, a perfect heart match will be from another African-American. It just <laughs> works out that way. But we're so, have so much mistrust in the system, a lot of times it's hard to find African-Americans that's willing to be organ donation donated because of mistrust and um, these conspiracy theories and mm -hmm. you're going to farm your organs and you're going to wake up in the mm -hmm. bathtub of ice and all this stuff, yeah, yep. you know, and it, it's really hard. And it's, and it's, again, that's another generational thing that you can't tell nobody this because that's what their uncle told them. And that's what their grandfather mm -hmm. told them. And so they assume it, it has you, to be true. And you know what's really interesting? It's not just in the African-American culture. Um, the Arab community, when I was doing my organ drives at the University of Michigan Flint, we had a lot of international students. So it's certain cultures like Jehovah Witnesses. They don't believe in organ donation or blood donation. So you have religions. Yeah, you know, the Ferrarians. That's how Bob Molly died. Yeah. yeah. From what, organ fever? No, he, uh, he had cancer. And it started out like cancer in his, in his toe. Like they could have cut it off. But because they really? believe in, you know, you're not to have, that's why they have the dreadlocks, because you're not supposed to cut mm -hmm. off anything of your that was naturally grown. Wow. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, it's, it's, this is not going to happen overnight. And what my hope is, is with the prescription food program, I'm hoping that it will be sustainable. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping that this concept can be um, infiltrated at different at different other urban cities because I'm right up the street from Detroit. And so I'm looking <clears throat> to concentrate in, you know, Genesee County, you know, in the Detroit area as well. Um, because, you know, you think about the little children. If, for instance, I did a, um, a it was a sports physical drive. Hmm. where the children were able to come in and they were able to get their sports physicals. I remember my good friend, his daughter came there with her friend. They both were overweight. They both had high blood pressure. And you know what this young lady's response was? She was 15 at the time. She was like, my daddy got high blood pressure. My big mama got high blood pressure. Hmm. Like it was a rite of passage. Mm -hmm. And she did not, did not even wasn't even miffed, didn't even see the seriousness of it. Um, and I saw how she ate, you know, um, single father. So she ate a lot of McDonald's. So you know your daughter has high blood pressure. You know she's overweight, but you use the fact that you have a lack of time 
as a reason to bring hot and ready pizzas on Wednesdays, McDonald's and, you know, R.E.B. You know, come on. We have to do better. Mm -hmm. And it starts in the home. You know, kids are like sponges. If they see mom and daddy not paying attention, you know, or they see mom or grandma giving herself insulin, that's like normal. They don't see anything wrong with that. And we have to stop that narrative mm -hmm. because if it doesn't stop there, then it's going to continue to go. And we're going to have more and more people on dialysis, on LVADs, mm -hmm. waiting for hearts. You already know every 22 what, minutes, every 22 seconds, someone dies waiting for an organ. Yeah. You know, and you look at you, you're old, old, old positive. Mm -hmm. You know, and let me ask you this, Sean, is have you only had the one LVAD? Yes, the only one. So you haven't had any issues with clots or anything? No, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Have you had any issues with bleeding out? No. Oh, you're blessed. Yeah. You I've, got, blessed. I've had a slight infection, but not a driveline infection, but around mm -hmm. my, um, my exit site, I've gotten that like twice. Um, okay. But for the most part, no. I haven't had any problems with it. So you have the HeartMate too, then, right? Yes. Okay. Wow. So let me ask you this. Are you able to take, I'm sure you're able to take a shower now. Yes. Okay. I, when I had my LVAT, I wasn't able to shower. <laughs> and I remember the first time I showered, I was like, oh my God. Because my doctor scared me. You know, doc, first of all, I also want to create a forum where I can tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly of the transplant process because the doctors, I don't think that they want to tell you because it's so many different things. Mm -hmm. um, the immense guilt that you feel because someone has to die for you to live. Yeah, and, and that's one of the things that I try to cover here because I say they always, they, they're after you with your physical health, but I think we're lacking with the mental health as far as recovery. Like you have a nurse come to my house and help me out, but mm -hmm. I need, you know, some of us need mental health after afterwards. Because if you, you know, especially if your mental health wasn't the greatest before here. Exactly. I remember when the day that I got the call, it was a Friday, that they were putting me back active status. Mm -hmm. So once you get your LVAT, you're not active status, and then they put you back active right. status. So when I got the call that they were putting me back active status, um, one of my social workers was at my house. Let me tell you what this heifer told me. You know someone has to die for you to live right. Right. I'm like, bitch. Like, uh, I never thought about it like that, but it, it, yeah. it, 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 it messed me up. It's like a mind trip. I was, it's a mind trip. Like, mm -hmm. like, like I, it was to the point where I almost was like, I don't even want it. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It really, and I remember my mom called her and ripped her a new one. Like, how, how dare, if my dog happens to start barking or whatever, he's in the Oh, that's all right. My dog's over here snoring, so. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yeah, I think that, you know, people have to be mindful even your caregivers and the people in the hospital of the things that they say to you. Mm -hmm. um, because even after I got my heart, I remember when I had my LVAT for whatever reason, I started to develop bad headaches. Mm -hmm. And I remember them saying, if you have bad headaches now, they're going to be amplified once you get your transplant because of the program, that's one of the side effects is um, headaches. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't diabetic before, but now I'm diabetic because the anti-rejection medications you take, it suppresses your your pancreas from producing enough insulin. Mm -hmm. So some people are lucky. Um, you're going to be on insulin once you get your transplant, that you're going to be on insulin. Mm -hmm. And so if you're not diabetic, you're going to be diabetic for a minute. Some people come out of that. Oh, but not Amy Bacon. I'm that outlier, so I stay diabetic. Um, but I remember um, I've had A1Cs as high as 14, 15 before. Ooh. You know, because imagine this. Imagine, okay, you've got the LVAD. So you got to watch your sodium and your water intake. Mm -hmm. Now you're going to take away my sugar? I literally cleared the doctor's desk. Like, ah. Like, <laughs> what? I mean, what else? Like, 
I got nothing left. I, I don't got nothing, and I'm a foodie. So you're going to take my beverages, take my sodium, mm-hmm. and my sugar, and me and little Debbie go together? Oh, we got some We got some real problems. Um, So it is... It has been an adjustment. And so I was single also. And so dating after you get through all of this, mm-hmm. it's That's another, another mental trip. It's another yeah. mental trip. Yeah. Like, I remember I was never a vain person, but like I, I'd had two open heart surgeries. So I got two open heart surgery scars. I got had a port. I got pick lines, got drive line scars, tube scars. And it took me a while to get comfortable with my body. But I found that, you know, once I told someone that I had a heart transplant, oh, you sick. I, I'm not sick. <laughs> I had, a, I'm, I got my heart, my donor was 24. So technically my heart is 33. So I'm 33 years old, right. technically, <laughs> you know, um, it, it's just really, really interesting. And, you know, even, you know, since COVID, I'm not working, but I, I'm working. I mean, I'm, I'm looking for jobs. And, you know, me, as I'm interviewing, they're like, well, how do you know so much about, you know, medications and pharmacology? Well, I'm a heart transplant recipient and I'm proud. And I'm like, da, 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 da. But a, my girlfriend was like, Amy, you know, maybe you're shooting yourself in the foot. Mm-hmm. You know, my girl was like, if you're telling them that you had a heart transplant, they're thinking that you're going to come in to the workplace needing time off. So it's a shame that we are even have to hide this mm-hmm. because we do have a disability. Once you get your heart, you'll have a disability because you'll be on immunosuppressants forever for the rest of your life. And so it's, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah it can be tough. It can be tough. It really, really can. And I tell you what, if I swallow one more handful of pills, Oh my goodness gracious! Yeah, I've just came, I've come to the realization I'm always going to be on some kind of medication for the yeah, rest of my life. Just... Yeah, and you you know it, it's it's like you know you're taking these medications, and they cause side effects. Like I've had a migraine for two weeks straight. I've taken oxycodone, baclofen, promethazine, tramadol, nothing. So on Thursday, I get to have what's called an occipital nerve block. And what that is, um, they stick needles in the back of your head and they inject medication that's supposed to stop the migraines. But the injections itself, okay, have you had, um, oh my God, what is that medication they give you when your INR is too high? Uh, Lovenox. Yes. yes. Okay, okay. Okay, okay. Imagine Lovenox shots on crack. Okay? Yeah, okay. so Lovenox, when I do for it, that's why, that's the number one reason Ooh. I keep my eye on our right. Yes. Because those Lovenox shots, <laughs> and I think it's the mental thing of giving, like I could take shots if somebody give me a shot. I'm, you know, I've been through LVAD, so shots, IVs, yeah. bring it, right? It's the yeah. whole mental thing of I'm on insulin, but the little teeny insulin needles. Okay, okay. That Lovenox needle is like that long. It, it is, it's not just the needle, though. It's that once that medication hit, what? <sighs> and that's the only, it bruises me if I don't do it right. And yeah, I don't do that. So, like so this is how this is how we did it. This is how we did it. My mom would be standing in front of me. My brother would be in the pack. So he put like, I did it on my upper butt cheek and he would put a pack of frozen hot dogs. Huh. Hold it there, hold it there, hold it there, and then hit the needle. And then I would still buckle. Mm-hmm. I would still buckle. But you know what's interesting? So after you get your transplant with all the medications that you're on, it caused my veins are horrible. Mm-hmm. I had a port for a long time. I got one. And left. so <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. And so when I when I aim, you gotta get labs. If my labs are due on the 15th, trust me when I say, y'all not going to see me until the 25th, 26th. Because I got to get myself, I got to get my mind right. Because it's not like I'm just going to go and pop in. Oh, you're going to hit the... No. They're going to stick the needle in. They're going to move it around. Mm-hmm. Then they're going to ask me, well, did you drink enough fluids? I'm like, <laughs> they always want to put it on us. Like, right. we did something wrong. Like, literally, I've listen, I've had needles in places that you shouldn't even have needles. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a, uh, I'm, t- I'm tired of being poked in product. I have a specialist literally for every organ system. I have a gastroenterologist. I've got a neurologist for my migraines. Um, oh, and let's talk, talk about the kidney issues you have afterwards. What man, urinary tract infections, Ugh. kidney stones, a kidney stone. Mm-mm, mm-mm. I'd rather have my heart. I'd rather have my chest cracked open again. Mm. A kidney stone. Yes. And so, yeah, it's a, uh, I can, but you know what? You have to laugh about some of the things, mm-hmm. you know, when I look back on some of my hospital stays, it was some, it was some chuckable moments. It was some real chuckable moments. Um, I remember after I got my heart, uh, I always tell the nurses, before you give me the, them heparin shots, on the count of three, one, two, three. But I guess she didn't think fat meat was crazy. So when she hit me, reflex, pop, <laughs> pop, I popped her side to head. All you saw was a needle flying there. You know what she said to me? She was like, I've got kids at home insinuating that I had HIV or hepatitis. I'm like, I'm the cleanest person here. I just had a whole heart transplant. <laughs> trust me. Trust me. I don't got nothing. But yeah, um, I think in my in my 11 years of, yeah, I done struck three nurses. Mm. Mm-hmm. Have you ever hit a nurse by accident? No, but I have a cardiologist when he gives you the, the cardio calf in your neck. Oh. He likes to hit you with the anesthesia. Well, he likes to hit you with it on two. Which, oh, he don't. Yeah, and so I, I, I've, I've tried to <laughs> watch my mouth. I haven't really tried. But Woo. some words came out that I couldn't help it. Man, yes. So you don't get conscious sedation, Sean? It depends. A lot of times, so I'm a single dad. So a lot of times when I go for something like that, I have to drive. I have to drive myself. Oh. So they won't sedate you if you have to drive. So I got to get to topical. Oh, yeah. no, Pookie. I'm like, give me the Versed. I need 50 milligrams of Versed and I need at least 75 of fentanyl. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They already know. They already know. They're not coming. Nope, 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 nope. Give me that juice. Because yeah. no, I've no. You're laying that, on that. I've only had it maybe twice. But most of the time I drive myself. So really? I have to be able to. And then they check because I tried to lie once. So, and so, so let me just tell to prepare you now. You're you're gonna need a driver mm-hmm. once you get your heart, um, because I'm here to tell you, when you're laying on that operating table and they start doing them heart biopsies, and they're like, oh, you know, we severed your your vagus nerve. You're not gonna feel anything. A boo hiss. Mm-hmm. It okay. You can feel them plucking. I don't know about anybody else, but I can feel them plucking. It feels like um, a real heart palpitation. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, I got four pieces. Ain't that enough pieces of my heart? Like, Amy, you can feel that? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I can feel that. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I, I need a little something to knock the edge off. But, you know, thank God I'm no longer doing biopsies. Um, So now I'm just doing Alamap. So Alamap is a way, another way that they can test for rejection. But the Alamap test, itself is $3,500. Yeah. Yes. And that's a whole other thing we haven't it's talked it. about. Like, I know I'm the million dollar man already, and I haven't oh, even yeah. gone through tri- transplant. Yeah. My transplant was $975,000. I want to say five years ago, me and my mom added up all my costs, and I was at a little over $7 million. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I think my LVAT surgery was a half a million. Mm-hmm. And that's just for the room for the doctors to put that it inside you. That's the not, oh, because you know that, you're going to charge me 50 cents for a cotton ball? Like, have you ever seen your a la carte, mm. your, your billing statement? Like, y'all dropped that band-aid on the floor, but I got to pay for it? Uh-huh. Like, my mama had a bologna sandwich. That was $7? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so you have Medicare and you have Medicaid, or what's your secondary? Um... It's a um, it's a, another insurance that my hospital uses called Optima. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And okay. that's the reason I got it, so I don't have any problems with what's covered, yeah. what's not covered, and so because one of the things they look at once you get the transplant, it's not a matter of if we have a match. It's like your mental has to be right. Do you know I got taken off the transplant list because I cried too much? Really. Mm-hmm. Because once you start the steroids, the steroids, 
you know, they have so many negative effects. It also puts you in a, 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 a like a bipolar state. Um, like I remember when I was, uh, let me think when I had my LVAD at, I remember was, I was in the hospital and all I did was cry and throw up, cry and throw up. And they were like, Amy, we can't transplant you like this. And so they sent the white coats in. Mm-hmm. And it was like a team of like seven. And uh, they started me on Remeron, AKA Mirtazapine, which is an uh, a, a anti-anxiety medication, mm-hmm. but they also give it to patients as an appetite stimulator. So once I got the heart, not only was I on an appetite stimulator, but I was on steroids too. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was chunky A. <laughs> that was chunky A. So then, and then my mom was like, well, she needs to go on Weight Watchers. I'm like, hold on. Can we just deal with one pregnant? I was from being crack ass skinny to, oh, to fat. I'm like, in less than four months, I'm like, y'all doing too much. This is just too much. This is just too much. So yeah, it, it's been a crazy, crazy ride. And I think where I'm at now is I'm nine years post. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we all do the research. Well, how much, how long, how long a heart transplant patient? Like how many more years I got? And so you I'm trying not to get caught up in that well, the average lifespan is 10 years, mm-hmm. you know, because I've got heart transplant friends that have had to get a second heart transplant. Right. And yeah. I see what they go through. Like at our clinic, they don't really do a whole lot of second transplants. So a friend of mine, she had to go to Nashville, mm-hmm. Nashville, Tennessee. And so what I'm doing, I'm, I'd rather be proactive than reactive. So I'm currently saving for that. I want to have enough money to pay for my housing because you know you're going to be down there. Even as a, a cheap studio, I need to make sure that if I can't get retransplanted here, I'm going to be able to afford to go somewhere else because I'd be danged if I'm not going to be able to get a second transplant because of finances. You know what I'm saying? So I'd rather be proactive than reactive. So my advice to anybody that has a heart transplant right now um, and you have some longevity, you know, not speaking anything negative into existence, but it's better to be uh, prepared because your team may not transplant you a second time. So being aware of the different transplant facilities that do offer second transplants and what that costs look like and what it's going to cost you to live and be prepared, mm-hmm. be prepared. And that's one of the things like I, I'm thinking about now and I've had conversations with other people where they, um, they denied the heart transplant because they was like, I got my LVAD. I'm good. I know what to expect. Yeah. I can deal with it. You know what, Sean, I'm not going to lie. There was a couple of times when I was like, you know, I wish I'd have kept my outfit. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, examining like the the four stages of, of death, I mean the five stages of death, you know, the acceptance and all that. I remember we were leaving the clinic one day, and I we were on the highway, and I told my mom, I said, "Ma, I'm okay if I die." And uh, in full black, my mamo. She uh, pulled the car over. Um, I'm not going to say she slapped me, but the, I caught the backhand and she kind of grabbed my hand. Like, we're going to fight. <laughs> I'm like, okay, we're going to fight. We're going to fight. But uh, yeah, I was tired of fighting, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and uh, this journey, like, I, my migraines are off the hinges, like off. The hinge and the catch 22 is we know that the program causes that. Mm-hmm. So me and my cardiologist have discussed, okay, we could take you off the program so you don't have diabetes and migraines anymore and put you on something else. But if we put you on something else, you could have a higher chance of rejecting. So I'll like, I'll take the migraines and diabetes for $200. Alex, thank you. <laughs> so it's like, you have to like, this is this is our new normal. Right. You have and to, you have to you, weigh, you gotta weigh the Yeah, and, and the you have to get comfortable 
with your new normal. And so now I'm like, I had a heart transplant. What you got? You can't top this. And so I find myself bragging like I got a heart transplant. Right. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I find myself. And so when I go into my job interviews, I speak of that because I'm proud. And unfortunately, people don't see it as something. In that, oh, you had a heart transplant? I'm sorry. You're sorry because I'm alive? You know what I'm saying? Like, what are you sorry for? Right, because six and years so, ago, I wouldn't been here if it weren't for that. Ex- oh, my God. And every time your defibrillator goes off, you know that just one toe in the ground. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you. And you know, there's nothing like there's nothing like being on the gurney mm-hmm. and seeing your heart rate go up. Mm-hmm. Like, my heart rate is 250. Don't think that's right. And then, boom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that defibrillator... That defibrillator bump ain't no joke, right? What? No, no, it's not. What? I remember the first time it happened to me, luckily I was in the hospital walking to an appointment and it went off. And I looked around, it's like somebody just tried to rob me. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Who got that baseball bat? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They don't they don't prepare us for that, do they? Well, I had one I did have one doctor that told me the truth. A what did he of tell other you? The doctors about? were kind of sugarcoating it, and he was like, "So what did he tell? What was his truth? What was his truth?" All right. Shout out, Doctor Wayne O, because he and he was on the podcast, and that's one of the reasons I had him on the podcast because he always told me the truth. And he said, uh-huh. "If that defibrillator go off, it's gonna feel like a mule kicked you in the chest." Huh. It did. So let me tell you about the first time my defibrillator went off. I had literally, okay, this is going to be the funniest story. I hope you got time for it. I'll keep it short. I had literally, literally just got out the hospital, okay? Had, you know, had been wearing the same pissy pajama bottoms. Come on, let's just keep it real. Right. You in the hospital, and you know, you're trying to survive. You're not trying to be cute and smell good and all that. So I remember I had a weave, a sewing weave. It was all long and luxurious and I was in the shower, weave was all wet and everything. And I got out the shower and then bam, I'm looking around like, who, who hit me? <laughs> who hit me? I'm laughing because it's not funny, but I'm laughing because I can relate. Sean, <laughs> but hold on, not even two seconds later, that summer bug hit me again. Wow. I was like, oh shit, this is it. This is the big one. Elizabeth, I'm coming to join you. <laughs> and so I'm calling my mom because, you know, anybody know if you got you got your phone, you got your house phone, your cell phone. And I'm calling my mom and it hit me again. Wow. She's like, Amy, hang up and call 911. And so at this time, my friend Nakoma is coming in and I'm not calling Nakoma. I'm dying. And uh, I'm literally crawling. Hold on. Butt naked. With a long wet weave. Picture that. Picture that. Picture that. <laughs> and I'm crawling to this is before I had the LVAT or anything. Mm-hmm. And I remember when the the ambulance people got here. Let me tell you how they played me, Sean. Let me tell you how they played me. Why one dude gonna lightly tap me with his foot? Like because you alive? know it's a miscon <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a misconception that if someone's defibrillator is going off and if they t- someone touches you, they're gonna get shot too. Well, 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 I have a story about that. Okay. <laughs> that is not quite a misconception. <laughs> really? Because yeah. they were show literally, and he had a rubber, he had a rubber boot on, he was like, tap, tap, tap. I'm like, for real. That's what y'all, that's how y'all gonna play me. I'm laying here butt naked with a wet weave. Y'all just gonna tap me with y'all foot for real. And you was wet too. I it was soaking wet. So and steaming from that from the jolt. Just it was all bad. Wet and your LVAC go on. That's a bad combination right yeah, there. That's yeah. a bad dude. So tell me what were you so your experience? So like got my mama listened to this podcast. Okay. And um I was having, I was getting to know a young lady. Okay. Okay. Biblically. Okay. Okay. And at the height of it, spot. (sighs) Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. But, but she was like, do that again. 
<laughs> Shut up! Are you serious? Are you serious? Hey, you gotta go. Are you <laughs> so it did it shock her? Yes. Yes. Oh my god. Are you serious? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah, you so they, they can feel it, yes. Wow. Okay. That's, I learned something today because I swear to God on everything I love, I thought that they, someone touched you. So that's why they were, okay. And so that's why my hospital, whenever it was going off the doctors, oh, one time, my that mug went off eight times. So I never had it go what? off multiple eight. times. It'll go off and oh then my, my heart will go God. right back in the rhythm. So when yours went off, did you ever call nine one one? At that point, no, because that was one of the times where. So you, the, so the, you've never called. N- no. Well, okay. So mine's mine has gone off maybe five times, and okay. all of it happened within the first two years of my LVAD. So thank God. So you I never went to the hospital. Yes, yes, I have, but okay. at that point, that was like the third time, and I kind of knew what to expect. Gotcha. It, it happened, you know, popped, and went right back in the rhythm. And mm, know, so, good. with me, how they handle it at U of M, whenever your ICD goes off, um, you go to the hospital, and then they have the electrophysiologist come mm-hmm. because they want to make they, sure they that it was a vet. It and all that. Yeah, they yeah, want to yeah. make, oh my God, let's talk about the interrogation though. So, you're going to put a pad on me that's going to make, oh my God, look. Yeah, this hey, this ain't no joke. This, I think that we are superheroes. Oh, I am. Because if we if we can if we can handle and go through all of this, mm-hmm. COVID. Yeah. There, there there's rule nothing. I my attitude towards life has changed. Um, I have a very low tolerance for bull crap. Right. Um, I appreciate the little things. You know what I'm saying? Like I love harder. Um, I, I, anytime I any it, any little accomplishment, I'm celebrating. Mm-hmm. Like I'm celebrating because I could not oh, be here right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. My dog's potty drained. Who celebrate? You know, <laughs> everything's a milestone. Mm-hmm. I remember when I decided to go to school. They did not think that I was going to be able to learn because. When I had my cardiac arrest, I was without oxygen for four and a half minutes. I was technically brain damaged. Hmm. And I remember, I remember when I started, um, I had to have a lot of tutoring because with me being without oxygen, um, like a part of my brain died. Okay. And so I had to have a lot of tutoring. I had to relearn how to learn excuse me one second <laughs> i got the water bottle for the dog chili bee no bark no bark That's what kind what of dog he is a pit bull okay mix something yeah. or others yeah so yeah the water bottle yeah the water bottle works one squirt all they gotta do is see the pink bottle and it works <laughs> and so actually chili bean is my therapy dog so at University of Michigan, what they would do is they would like bring therapy dogs. Mm-hmm. And he really um, keeps my heart rate low. Um, if I'm going through, he's right there. And I'm sure the same thing with your dog. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, my dog isn't quote unquote a therapy dog, but yes, yeah, she is. Because she helped me a lot when I was going through it. Now, what kind of dog do you have? A Rottweiler. Okay. Yeah, 150 okay. pounds. She's third child. Wow. Wow. So are there any other questions that you have for me? No, Mark. <laughs> no. No, I'm good. Okay. Okay. I, so I noticed what... that, uh, so you're the second person that I've talked to that is on, a, I talked to uh, Dr. Brittany Claiborne, and mm-hmm. um, I would like for you two guys to hook up, because she did her master's and her doctorate while she was in the hospital. Well, she completed her master's while she was waiting for her her heart transplant. I think that's amazing. Mm -hmm. I I did all mine. Literally, I would be in the hospital, in the hospital bed with my computer and my books. 
Mm-hmm. I did it the whole yeah, time. Same with her. And that's but, how, you know, but that's, that's another testament to, you know, when you go through something like that, you don't take time for granted. No. And I tell you what, Sean, I knew after I had that cardiac arrest that God saved me for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I remember my mom saying, Amy, no one can tell you what that reason is. You just have to sit back and be still. And so um, I got my associate as a medical insurance specialist because I just went through so much with insurance. And then I knew that that just wasn't the end. And so right when I was in the middle of getting my bachelor in health services administration, and I'm like, I want to teach. I want to teach public health. I didn't even know that was a degree, Mm -hmm. Sean. I didn't even know that was a degree. And I remember um, just doing my research and I found the University of Michigan, but I knew that I couldn't do a full-time program because of my health. Mm -hmm. And so I found the program here in Flint, University of Michigan, Flint, and um, it worked out perfectly. And I was able to hone in on my research skills. Um, I was able, I created a program that addressed um, low birth rate, infants uh, among African-American women. Um, I had a chance to delve into diabetes and high blood pressure. And, you know, they were very active with the gift of life, you know, their U of M. Mm -hmm. And so it just offered me an opportunity to do so much research and do so many positive things in the community. And I truly believe I am walking in my due season and That's why I was never afraid when I got COVID because God has a plan for my life and my demise is not going to happen until I fulfill that. Right. Yeah. And so everything that I'm doing, I don't want it just to end here. I want other people to pick it up so it can continue and it be sustainable. And it can, I I don't want to just be gone and like, oh, who was Amy Bacon? I want, I want to be somewhat of a monument. I want people to know what Amy Bacon, she changed the trajectory of African-Americans. I want to be that person. I'm not going to stop until it happens. It's going to happen. It's going to (laughs) happen. All right, Amy, let me, I'm going to end it off like I always end my episodes. If a younger Amy came to you and wanted your advice, what would you tell her? I'm going to be honest. The partying you do in young life, um, experimenting with different drugs, you never know the long-term effects. Um, I don't know if my drinking and what have you had an impact. And I think that that's something that people do not talk about because it's, it's embarrassing. It's a hushed topic. Um, but I know when I was at U of M, a patient, there were a lot of young people that wanted to heart failure from, you know, anything that speeds up your heart, be it cocaine, be it an, an amphetamine, meth, or whatever it is. You know, it could be smoking, anything. Just be mindful of how you take care of your body because those substances could have a long-term effect. Live your life to the fullest. It doesn't matter if you had two or three kids out of wedlock and you didn't finish high school. You can do it. If you set your, I didn't get my first degree until I was 40 years old. So if you put your mind to it, you can do anything. God created you out of an image of him and he is the greatest. So no matter what you're going through, put your big girl pants on, put your big boy pants on and do it. And don't let anybody tell you that you can't. All right. So how can people reach you? What's your social medias and all that good information? I'm on Facebook, Amy Bacon um, on Facebook. Um, I'm in the Flint area. So you can just look me up on Facebook. Yep. Awesome. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen. And I, I accept, excuse me, I accept all friend requests. I'm open to instant messenger. We can talk, we can chop it up. Anything that you guys need, I'm here for you. Awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Elvad Talk. You can now find us at elvadtalk.com 
We have everything there. You can see or watch any episodes, leave voicemails, leave messages. Um, if you'd like to be on, just hit us up. It's not a problem. I believe everybody needs to tell their story. Um, Amy, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. This was this was informative and entertaining at the same time. <laughs> yes, it was a pleasure. And I look forward to coming on again. Oh, you got it. You got it. I can't oh. tell you no. Okay. Thank you so much for having me, Sean. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Sean. This is Amy. Now we are out.